Today's reading comes from Philippians 3:10-14. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for what of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Will you uh, just give a round of applause for the... guys are killing it good job uh yeah band wonderful speakers great it's awesome to get to introduce to you uh my job uh yeah it's a job right they pay you to hang out with awesome high school and middle school students so you should get that job um so today i'm going to talk about the christian journey but before i do i want to tell a story about driving the church van you can see that, yeah. I hate driving the church van. I have taken that thing halfway across America with a bunch of high school and middle school students crammed in it, demanding that I play their favorite song, all while I'm trying not to get lost in the middle of a rainstorm in the mountains. It is terrible. I get in the van, and as soon as I do, all I can think about is getting out of the van. And when I get to, and my question is, are we there yet? And my response is, no, we're still in the parking lot. (laughs) And uh, so it's just terrible. Um, And one of the worst times, I'm going to, this is a story I promised I would never tell anyone. But I decided that since there are seniors who were freshmen uh, when this happened, I was going to now tell this story. So um, I don't know if even Bob knows this story, but... um, It's not that bad. Um, One of the, when we were in Kentucky, this is the first mission trip I've, I've taken students on. This is like my big deal. We'll see if we do others after this sort of thing. And, um, we jumped into the vans. We're, we're, we're in Kentucky. We're in the mountains. We jump in the vans to go on our job site. And we have no signal to find GPS. We have one map. We didn't think to make copies. We just had one map. And so we gave the guy who was driving the front bus, John Mangrum, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the map. And, uh, he, uh, I end up being in the back. And I had the great opportunity to have the slowest kid ever getting into my van. So he took his sweet time getting to the van and the whole, all the vans leave us. Okay. Um, so. I am not a navigator. I am terrible at directions. Every trip I've been on, we have gotten lost. And we live in an age of GPS. And somehow, I do it. I do it every time. It's always like the kids are laughing in the back. Ha, we're turning around again, aren't we, Rob? And I'm like, and it gets really ugly. Um, so the entire time we are driving down 
this misty morning through the mountains. The kids are in the back getting very excited about all the turtles they're seeing on the side of the road. Because the turtles are the squirrels of Kentucky. They're everywhere. Okay? And to my horror, to my utter horror, there is a turtle in the middle of the road. And we are on a small little, like, pass through the mountains. And there's a car coming on the other side. And so I have to decide the humans in the car or the turtle. The kids didn't understand this logic, but this is my logic. So I'm trying to like, you know, inch it like, I'm starting to like Star Trek it, you know, like try to really get through the little hole. And uh, that was a nerd moment, sorry. Um, and uh, the kids are screaming, don't hit it, don't hit it. And I'm like, I'm not going to. And then we hit a bump. <laughs> of which I then start, I'm like, no way. No, we didn't hit it. It was a rock. Like, I don't even know if that was a turtle. Like, I'm just making things up. Well, I would have gotten away with it, too, if we didn't have to turn around. (laughs) And so, I was wrong. The girls were, it was just a car of me and girls, and they're all screaming and crying, like all of them knew this turtle, I guess, and they're all crying about it. It was terrible. It was terrible. I still have not lived that down. There are still adults who are like, oh, turtles? Stop it. I say that to say traveling and journeying is messy business. I don't like it. I just want to get to the end. I don't like to travel. Too many turtles in the road. You know, that's a figure of speech. Um, And as it turns out, sanctification is the same way. It's a hard process. It's a hard journey. Sanctification is the process of Christians becoming holy, becoming what God created us to be. Sanctification is it's difficult because you have to realize and recognize, maybe even embrace the areas that you fail. You have to embrace yourself for who you are before God in the midst of sanctification. In order that God could touch them. And it's realizing that you, in fact, are a work in progress. And this is really hard because I was the firstborn of three. And I wasn't like the firstborn who tries to like blaze trails. I was the firstborn who tried to not hurt anything on the trail and do life just perfectly. I I don't know if you're like that. Maybe that was just me. I was the really annoyingly good firstborn. And um, I always fretted over getting it right. Over being a good kid. I felt this ridiculous inward pressure to have it together and be strong for those around me and to be someone worth looking up to. No one made me this. This was who I was. There was no room in my mind for weakness. And still this gets in there. And at funerals, I, like this is an example. At funerals, I never cried because I had to be the strong one and like for my family and that sort of thing. So uh, I, had to, I felt this pressure, this inward pressure to be this kind of put together four-year-old or whatever. Um, (laughs) It's about as dumb as being a put together 28-year-old. And then I go and decide to be a youth pastor. Um, And so the temptation is to act like I have it together, but I enter into a place where they are literally calling me out and like picking at the fact that I don't have it together. So the the moment I go in there and I'm like, ta-da, got it together. They're like, yeah, 
that's not going to work with us. So they keep me honest. And so I find myself in an out-of-control situation fighting for control, right? And you always win. I get it. Um, and it's really hard, um, even in their own lives, to, to live life with them, to hear their stories. And I, I'm sure this is like what a little bit of what parents feel. You, you want so badly to just get them to the end, right? Like the process is so hard, and I, I have a hard time being in the midst of that process, even as their youth pastor, and I only have to hang out with them like once, you know, once a week. And, uh, and then, but to be okay with them in process, with their, their stumblings and that sort of thing, um, and, and to just be a blip in that, to maybe not even have that, uh, that long with them. That's just something that is hard for me. Um, because I, I want to get it right. I want to be a great example. I want to make the right decisions all the time and get all the kids to love Jesus and like me a lot, right? That's the goal. It's not. This internal demand inside of me longs for a place of arrival and completion in my personal growth and holiness. And the pressures I put on myself to be perfect can tempt me to keep things pent up inside or make me feel like I'm just not qualified for the task at hand. I wonder if you feel that way too. But thanks be to God that he doesn't need our perfection. He doesn't give up on us in our messiness. We are are his work in progress. And he's molding us and shaping us into his likeness. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The truth of this life is that it is a process that God begins, that God finishes, that he invites us into. And it's a lifetime process. It's a process that doesn't end until Christ Jesus, doesn't end till this is over, this life is over. So this, is, this entire life is a process. It's not a one and done thing. It's not that sort of, yeah, if you get Jesus, your life's going to be put together. No, it's still going to be a mess and sometimes even messier. It's, a, it's about relationship. And so we evangelicals love that, right? It's a relationship. And it's an ongoing discovery of the God who made us, of the God who saved us, of the God who raises us to new life, who is taking us on that journey. And it's a continued discovery of who we were meant to be. I'm constantly understanding more and more the story God has intended for me and his writing for me. The Christian life on this side of eternity, is not about the arrival. It's about the journey. This has really been hitting me hard uh, recently. A few of my students have been giving their uh, talks, their testimonies in in youth group. They give senior talks at youth group during this time of year. And uh, both of them alluded or said, actually blatantly, um, the, the phrase, this is my testimony up until now. Or another one, my testimony isn't over yet. They seem to get that more than I do. They seem to understand that they are in process more than I understand that I am in process as well. Um, Because no one in this room is done growing. I don't care how old you are. No one's testimony is over. But at times, I act like it. I have given testimonies that made it sound like, it was like, I was once a sinner, and then Jesus did this crazy thing in me, and I don't sin anymore. It's cool. And that's not true, but our, sometimes our tones sound that way. Growing is a continual process, and I have not arrived. And when it comes to God, the things to learn, the things to gain, the ways to grow, they're endless. 
And our attitude should be humble and patient in the midst of that. And honestly, we should be a little bit jazzed up because it means that God has more to give. There's more to get. There is more to learn. You're not done. Life is anything but boring with Jesus because he's constantly taking us to new places within ourselves and within the world. We should emphatically say, my testimony isn't over yet because that means there is still more for us. This attitude can provide peace because God has enough grace to sustain us in the midst of it. Paul, in uh, Philippians 3, he begins talking about all the things that he used to find confidence in, all those arrival points, right? That's how we base our life. We want to get to certain things and then we'll feel good, uh, become something, and then I'll feel all right with that. And he, he has all these confidence points. He says, before he uh, was a Christian, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, the best Hebrew around. I want to be the Christian of Christians sometimes. He said that when he followed the law, he, wa- he was the best. And I want to do things really well and be really good and I'm on my way. And he said that when it came to passion, he had so much zeal, he would persecute other people who didn't believe what he believed. That's how much, that's the direction he was going. That's how much he had his life and his own mind together. Those were his arrival points. But after he lists all this, he says they're all rubbish. Everything I had up until the point of knowing Jesus, it's rubbish. It's a loss. Everything my life was about, everything I was focused on, it's gone. Compared to knowing Christ. The Greek word for knowing here is a, it's an ongoing process. It's knowledge gained through experience and interaction. It's not the book knowledge. I often feel the desire to arrive and get growth over with. But God is calling us to be in relationship. Let's go back to the verses we read today. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All the things he had gained confidence from were rubbish compared to the prize of knowing Jesus. That straining towards what is ahead. What... What we get in the process is this prize of knowing God. It's an exciting thing. That word straining kind of feels like a fight. And the process is kind of hard. But we're straining towards God. He's found this worth his life. And the same goes for those of us who call ourselves Christianity. And being a work in progress is no excuse to sit around and let life pass us by. We press on and we strain and we grab a hold of that thing which God has grabbed a hold of us for. Jesus. So what does pressing in look like? I've got three things. We are called to know God in a relational way. That experiential knowledge that comes from a life lived out by faith. 
A life that is trusting God. A life with the here and now God. A God who interacts with his people. Not a far away God. A God who gets in the dirt with us and goes with us. So one way to do that, or the main way that we interact with God, are called spiritual disciplines, right? This is uh, like uh, prayer and meditation and fasting and studying the word and fellowship. And a lot of times we think that only really good Christians do those. No, just people who are talking to God do though. That's the interaction we have to God. Those are the, those are the kind of the opening up before God. I need you. It's the way, it's getting him on the phone. It's sitting with him at dinner. This is the kind of thing we do. Spiritual disciplines provide the, um, access or the, as Richard Foster says, he says, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. Disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. He goes on to say, by themselves, the spiritual disciplines do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. So spiritual disciplines allow us to open up ourselves before God. And they allow us to know God and to hear from God. So connected to this idea is the second point. Uh, we, are, we are called to grow. God never leaves a person who follows after him in the same place. To follow Christ is to change inside and out. We are becoming more like him because the spirit is at work within us, causing us to be who we were made to be. We do this through, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, training ourselves in godliness. We seek the disciplines like confessing sin. We throw off that which so easily entangles, that sin. As I know God more, I live in response to, to, to who I know him to be. I begin to love what and who and how he loves. I begin to emulate how he has loved me. I enter into community and I get accountability and I press into being refined by others and give others a platform in my life. Like an athlete who just loves the game. I was thinking, I, I mentioned Josiah, right? he's a runner. I'm not a runner. But he does these things, he goes into it, he trains because number one, he loves it. He just loves running. I don't get you, Josiah, but I understand that in this, this is like an athlete, right? You are training for the thing you love. Yes, it's not always easy, but yes, there is, we know that there is a goal, a prize, more and more God. The Christian life is more and more God. Lastly, we are called to go. So know, grow, go. See what I did? Yeah, those are catchy. Um, <laughs> being in the growth process is not an excuse to be self-focused. The Bible claims that you are not too young, too old, too poor, too dumb, too messy, too whatever, to be used by God. Be available. Be in the world and minister to people. We don't need to act like we've arrived. We don't need to fear being messy or imperfect in front of people we are bringing the gospel to. Present yourself as you are and where you are on your journey. Dare to be honest. The world doesn't need your performance. They need to see your need. They need to see your desire for God. It's amazing to me that the moments that I have felt the most impact, I don't know if it actually has, but the moment I've felt the most impact in my ministry 
is, are those moments when I am at my weakest? Are those moments when everything went terribly? I set up all this stuff, I made this great thing, I had this great talk, and that went terribly. And it was in those moments of weakness, of brokenness, that actually I connected the most. I invite you to embrace the process and to realize that God is not done with you. He's not done with you. He meets you where you're at. He loves you enough not to keep you there, but he meets you where you are at. No matter who you are, no matter what your testimony looks like up till now, a tough one, a boring one, God is at work within you. So my prayer is that you will be attentive to that and I will be attentive to that. The journey is a beautiful thing. He goes with us and calls us sons and daughters even as we are still in the process of becoming what we are. He chose us while we were still sinners and he offers us more than we could ever imagine. Therefore, as Hebrews says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin, that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is who we get to do life with, our Jesus. Let's pray. You guys want to come on up? God, thank you so much for your grace that picks us up when we fall, that meets us where we are at, and that allows for interaction with you. God, we pray that you will give us the patience for others to be in process around us and for us to be in process. And God, that we could do that and live out those testimonies in front of the whole world. God, we know that this is just the beginning, this life. And we know that this side of eternity is a journey. And God, we know that you go with us. So thank you for that. And we worship you. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand and sing one more song?